the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Can God's plan ever fail? Philippians 1.6 says this, He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. What he began to do the moment you trusted him, he'll continue doing. And what did he begin to do? He began to make you more like his son. Conform to the very image of Christ. In fact, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that as we look into the word of God and we gaze upon the glory of Christ, we're turned into his glory. So the more you study the word of God, the more you become like Christ. You may not realize that. We're the last ones to know it. Because the more we grow, the more sinful we see ourselves. But others can see it in you. Charles Spurgeon said, You are not mature if you have a high esteem of yourself. He who boasts in himself is but a babe in Christ, if indeed he be in Christ at all. Young Christians may think much of themselves. Growing Christians think themselves nothing. Mature Christians know that they are less than nothing. The more holy we are, the more we mourn our infirmities, and the humbler is our estimate of ourselves. That's a profound observation, isn't it? The more we grow in Christ, the more aware we are of how much more we still need to grow. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today is the second day of our study from Romans chapter 8 about God's sovereignty and our security. In verse 29, Paul said, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. That word foreknew has a rich meaning. Here's Pastor Steve to show us just what a powerful word it is and how it can bring us assurance when doubts start to close in on us. Secondly, the meaning of foreknow or foreknew in the New Testament doesn't mean just to know beforehand. It means to foreordain. When you see this word, think of foreordain. In other words, it's a predetermined, foreordained, foreseen, planned love relationship. That is the meaning of the word, but I don't want you to take Take it at face value. Uh, as much as you might like me, I don't, that doesn't build biblical conviction into your life. Even if you trust my biblical integrity, uh, you need to see it yourself. You need to see that that is not a, uh, something that I just came up with. Uh, it, it will build biblical convictions in your mind and in your heart if you see that this is the way this word is used in the New Testament. So let me show you and let me take you there. Uh, you ought to write this down. You ought to be taking notes on this. And you'll see how it's used. And we'll let the scriptures speak to our hearts. Acts chapter 2 is the first place that we want to look. Acts chapter 2 in verse 23. The setting is this. Peter is speaking to the Jewish people on the day of Pentecost. And he's explaining to them about Jesus of Nazareth. Who was killed and who rose again. And he is giving them the, the great message of salvation. And they need to respond to it. And he says... 
In verse 22, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, this Jesus, delivered up by the predetermined plan and what? For knowledge of God. You nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Is Peter saying, simply saying that to these people that God only knew beforehand that Christ would be crucified? Is that what he's saying? No, absolutely not. That's why the verse says the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, they go together. There wouldn't be any point in saying that God just looked down and knew that, that godless men would crucify Christ. So what? That's, that's, not even, that's not even significant to where they're coming from. What Peter is saying is, look, this plan, well, this was in the predetermined plan of God and the foreknowledge of God, the foreordaining of God that Christ would die even though godless men put him on the cross. Divine sovereignty and human responsibility. Yes, men crucified him, but he's saying men of Israel, it was all part of God's plan. And foreordination is used with the term predetermined plan. Christ's death was planned by God. It was foreordained that, that he would be delivered by the predetermined plan of God. And if I just want to show you that further in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 27 and 28. For truly in this city they were gathered together, the apostles are saying, against thy holy servant Jesus, whom thou didst anoint before Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever thy hand and thy purpose, what? Predestined to occur. You see, the death of Christ was planned by God. And so when Peter, back in Acts chapter 2, says to these men that it was based on the foreknowledge of God, he certainly doesn't mean that God just knew ahead of time that it would happen. That's not even pertinent. Certainly God knew ahead of time that everything would happen. Why would you even say? It it would be superficial and superfluous. You wouldn't even need to say that. This word is also used in Romans chapter 11. Concerning Israel and God's righteous dealings with Israel. Verse 1, Paul says, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? Speaking of Israel, has God rejected them? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. There's that word, foreknew. Is Paul simply saying that God knew beforehand that the nation of Israel was going to fall away? No. And you'll see that when we get into Romans 9, 10, and 11. No, Paul's whole, his whole argument is that God hasn't rejected the very people that he's chosen. That's the argument. The ones that he has ordained to be his people. In other words, it is ridiculous for anyone to think that God would set his affection and choose Israel, and set his affection upon Israel, choose them, and then cast them away. That doesn't make any sense, and that's why Paul says it's ridiculous. See, the word foreknew, foreknow is, is the same thing here. It doesn't mean God just knew ahead of time. No, he set his affection upon Israel. And Paul is saying, it doesn't make sense. He wouldn't, he wouldn't cast those away that he chose. First Peter uses this. First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. Peter tells these suffering believers, knowing that you were not redeemed, in verse 18, with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he, that is Christ, was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Foreknown. 
Is it possible that Peter is merely saying that because God knows everything he knew before the foundation of the world that Christ would become the Lamb of God? No. Peter's point is that God foreordained, in fact, that's the way most translators translate that word, foreordained Christ to be the Lamb of God. He was chosen for that sacrificial work on the cross. And let me tell you, this is very important because if God merely knew, if the Father now merely knew ahead of time, only ahead of time, what Christ would do, then what this is saying is that Christ was working on his own. That it wasn't part of the divine decree working together. And if Christ is working on his own apart from the predetermined plan of God, then I want you to know that's heresy. That's heresy. That denies the trinity of God. It denies being one in essence. No, it can't possibly be that, that God simply knew ahead of time and wasn't involved in it. God the Father planned it. That's what he's saying. Christ was chosen in the divine council of the trinity, the Father chose the Son to die for the sins of the world. And the Son had no problem with it, because they do all things together. So that's the way the word is used in the New Testament. So I want you to know that I didn't just invent that when I say for, no, doesn't mean that God just knew ahead of time. Can't possibly mean that. But let me approach it from another angle. The term for, no, is really only used seven times in the entire New Testament. It's not a word that comes up all the time. And so we don't have it in a lot of places. But I'll tell you what, other, what word we do have that's part of this word. We have the word no, K-N-O-W. No occurs many times in the scriptures. And if we can understand what no means, we just put the little word for before it. And we know that it simply means beforehand, okay? Beforehand to know. Okay, so what does the word no mean? Does it just mean to have knowledge? No, it doesn't. Amos chapter 3 you don't need to turn there. The passage in Amos 3.2 says this. God says, You only have I chosen among all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. And the point here is certainly that uh, God wasn't saying that he only knew Israel and didn't know any other uh, tribes or families on the earth. The Lord knows about all other families. But what he's saying is to Israel that he knew Israel in a very special way. He set his heart's affection upon them. In other words, he chose them. You have the same thought in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, when the Lord says, before I knew you in the womb, or before I formed you, rather, in the womb, I knew you. Well, certainly God, the thought here isn't that God knew, just knew about Jeremiah, but that he had a special regard for the prophet. He chose him. That's how the word is, is just used. And certainly in the New Testament, we read in Matthew 7, 23, how Jesus will say to those folks who claimed to have done all kinds of things in his name, he'll say, I, I, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. The thought here is that he never had a love relationship with them. Certainly he knew about them, but he means I never established a relationship with you. So as you go back to Romans eight twenty nine, whom he foreknew cannot possibly mean that God just knows beforehand about these people because God knows beforehand about everyone. And everyone certainly is not, uh, it's not taught in scripture that everyone is going to heaven. And if that's what these verses are, are, uh, are talking about, they're really talking about heaven and, and glory. And we know that not everybody is going there. Remember, the context here is, is the security of our salvation, heaven and glory. Paul's referring to a specific group of people, those who 
love God and are called according to his purpose. These are the people that God has set his love upon in the sense that he has planned and purposed something for them. So the question is, what was it? What, what was it that God has planned for those who he set his affection upon? Well, the next part of the verse says, for whom he foreknew, remember meaning he set his intimate love upon them beforehand, these he also predestined. And predestined means predetermined plan, uh, to, to mark out before. In other words, those he foreknew, he destined to glory. God has a predetermined plan for those he has foreordained and chosen to have a meaningful relationship with. What is that plan? What is that destiny? Here it is, to be conformed to the image of his son. This is the first fear of the purpose of security, to be conformed to the image of his son. God's predetermined plan before you were ever born, before the foundation of the world for that matter, was to make you, if you're a believer, his plan predetermined was to make you like the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. And we're talking about character now. The reason we know that no believer can ever lose his salvation is that God in eternity past chose you and determined that you would one day be like Christ. This is your destiny. God's purpose in saving you and keeping you saved is to conform you to be like his son in terms of character. Strong language, but absolutely based on the word of God. How can we lose our salvation if the very predetermined plan of God for our lives is to make us like Christ? Unless we have a small God that can't keep us saved, who Satan can thwart the purpose of God and sin can disrupt it. Can, God plan, can God's plan ever fail? Philippians 1.6 says this, He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. What he began to do the moment you trusted him, he'll continue doing. And what did he begin to do? He began to make you more like his son. Conform to the very image of Christ. In fact, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that as we look into the word of God and we gaze upon the glory of Christ, we're turned into his glory. See, the more you study the word of God, the more you become like Christ. You may not realize that. We're the last ones to know it. Because the more we grow, the more sinful we see ourselves. But others can see it in you. You're, you're moving along if you're responsive to the word of God. So his plan, his predetermined plan is to make you, to make me just like his son. And this will take place ultimately when we're glorified, either at death or at the rapture of the church. And the term conform, by the way, doesn't mean outwardly. We're not going to all look like Jesus outwardly. I mean, we don't look like each other, thankfully. We don't, right? But we're all humans, and we're, we're part of, of that family. Well, it means conform means inward likeness, not outward likeness. You're not going to look like the Lord, and he's not going to look like you, and you're not going to look like Moses, and you're not going to look like, you know, but it simply means that inwardly we're going to be like Christ in terms of character and holiness, and this is our destiny, and it cannot fail. Conform to the very image of his son. Do you realize how many Christians struggle with the issue of eternal security because of sin in their, in their lives. I mean, I, I hear people say, well, if you do this, can you lose your salvation? And what about a murder, someone who commits a murder? And what about this and that? And they look at themselves and they see failure and sin and they see the flesh and they say, how can I ever say I'm secure in Christ? Look at me. But the glory of this promise and this, this verse is saying that someday we'll be just like 
Christ. And it can't fail. It just can't. First John 1.9 says this, that, Beloved, now are we children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. Nobody knows what we're going to be. They look at us and they say, those are fools. Christians are fools, and they're utterly ridiculous, and all these things about us. And it doesn't appear what we'll be like. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him just as he is. And then verse 3 says, And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself, even as he is pure. As you fix your hope on the, on the return of Christ for us, God is making you more and more like Christ, and someday when Christ comes back, he is going to make us exactly like him in terms of inward conformity. Do you realize where Paul has taken us from in Romans? I mean, oftentimes when you go verse by verse, we tend to sometimes lose the larger picture. But let me, let me refresh your, your memories of where Paul has taken us from in Romans. He started out in chapter 1 telling us we were condemned. The wrath of God was upon us because we rejected the truth. And everyone born into this world suppresses that truth and rejects that truth. And the wrath of God is upon us. And chapter 1 through chapter 3 says we're condemned. We are undone. The wrath of God is upon us. That is the plight of mankind. But as chapter 3 ends and chapter 4 picks up, we see that Christ has been sent by God to die for our sins and our condemnation. He took our condemnation upon himself. And we, if we trust him, are justified from condemnation to justification. And then as we move into chapters 5, 6, and 7, we see that that he is sanctifying us. He's given us a divine nature. He's given us the Holy Spirit. We're changed. We serve now with, a, with newness of spirit. And then as we move into chapter 7, we saw that we struggle. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me? Though we're new creatures in Christ, we still struggle. And chapter 8 said, we, the struggle goes on and goes on and goes on, but someday we are going to be glorified. And that's the message of chapter 8. The struggle may be now, and we may cry out, who's going to deliver me? I'm wretched. I'm sinful. And Paul comes to us in chapter 8 and says, ah, but you're secure. In spite of the fact that you're a sinner, someday your groaning will cease because you will be just like Jesus Christ conformed to his very image. From condemnation to justification to sanctification all the way to glorification. That's the message of Romans. And that's where we are in Romans. But the question is, why would God do this? Why would he do this? Why would God purpose in his plan and heart to make us like his own son? Why would he take a broken piece of clay, one born in the fallen image of Adam, and conform it to the very image of Christ in glory? Why? If you understand the answer to that question, you understand the ultimate purpose of eternal security. The first aspect of that purpose was to be like Christ. But why? This becomes really the ultimate bottom line purpose of security. Look at the end of verse 29. Many would pass over this very quickly. I cannot. That he, that is Christ, might be the firstborn among many brethren. The ultimate purpose of our security is not to forgive our sins. Thank God it it does that, but that's not the ultimate purpose. It's not to make us happy. It's not to relieve our anxiety. It's not to deliver us from hell. Thank God those are byproducts. 
These are really results of our security, but the purpose of our security is that Christ might be the firstborn among many brethren. That may mean nothing to you, so I'm going to explain. The term firstborn does not mean that he was born first. Christ was not born. He is the creator. He is not part of creation. He is not born into this world, and only in the sense that he existed before time and became a man. But he is, uh, he is, a, he is a creator. He was never created. The term firstborn comes out of the Jewish culture. In a Jewish family, the firstborn held a special position of prominence, priority. In fact, he was the preeminent one in the family. He received a double inheritance. More than the others, he had authority over the family in the place of the father. He was the preeminent one in the family because he uniquely represented the dignity of the family in carrying on the family name. He was the biggie in the family. Of everybody, he was considered the prominent one. And when Paul says that Christ is the firstborn among many brethren, what he means is that Christ is the honored one, the privileged one, the esteemed one. He is the supreme one. Colossians chapter 1 says this. Verse 15 says, And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the preeminent one. And verse 18 simply uh, gives us more on that. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Why? So that he might come to have first place in everything. That's the thought there, that he is preeminent. Not that he just came first, but that he is the prominent one. The purpose of our salvation security, now watch this, it's to glorify the Son of God. Bottom line. Ultimate purpose, to give him glory. God chose us before the foundation of the world and destined us to be conformed to the image of his son so that, now watch this, so that there would be a redeemed, glorified group of people over which Christ would stand out as the supreme, primary, leading one. God has saved you and secured you, not primarily for you, though he loves you. He did it primarily for his own son, that his son might be the first among firsts. A leader amongst leaders. If God doesn't secure our salvation, then we can't be conformed to Christ's image. And if we can't be conformed to his image, then we can't give him glory as the one that stands supreme over redeemed, glorified humanity. Do you see that? That's the point. In other words, he's got to have brethren just like him in order to receive glory and honor from them. As, and God is going to make sure that there is a redeemed humanity throughout all of eternity because he wants that redeemed humanity spending all of eternity worshiping and glorifying the one who stands above them all. And if God didn't interfere in our lives and intervene and call us, and before that choose us and call us and keep us, then none of us would ever make it. I've often said that to people who think they could lose their salvation. I said, listen, if sin could cause me to lose it, if there's any way I could lose it, I've lost it. I lost it after the first day I was saved. He created millions like Christ and then let Christ stand out as the one preeminent over them. That's a staggering thought, isn't it? That God chose you from before the creation of the universe. And at the same time, it's a powerful encouragement to know that I didn't save myself God saved me of his own volition when I was incapable on my own of responding to him. And he keeps me saved by the power of his might, not by my totally inadequate and all too often non-existent efforts. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air taught by Pastor Steve Preloff. 
Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you'd like to visit Lakeside someday, you'd be very welcome. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. Call 727-441-1714 for more information or go online to lakesidechapel.com. If you call outside of business hours, we'll call you back if you leave us a voicemail with your daytime phone number. I'll give you that phone number again in just a minute. As I said at the start of today's broadcast, we're only in the second day of this series about God's sovereignty and our security. But if you need to catch up, that's easy to do online at versebyverseradio.org. Today's program should be at the top of the message archive page, but if you need something earlier, you can just use your browser's search function to locate the date you need. Verse by Verse is listener-supported, by the way, so we also have a giving page in case you feel led to help us keep these programs on the air. Or you can call Lakeside at 727-441-1714, and we thank you for your generosity. I'm Jerry Peterson. Before we say so long for now, let me leave you with a question to think about. As we've been hearing over the past couple of days, God saved us by His own will and power. He keeps us saved by His own will and power, and He is the one who changes us into the likeness of Christ by His own will and power. But why does He do that? Possibly the most common answer given is from John 3.16, because He loves us. But that's not the ultimate reason. Pastor Steve will get on to that in the next Verse by Verse. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse by We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.